It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the Get It or Regret It event going on August 3rd through the 12th at Lewis Jewelers in Ann Arbor. Once a year, they get special permission to mark down selected designer items up to 50% off. Find designer brands that have been discontinued or closed out. Anniversary and wedding bands, diamond earrings, and select watches. Look great and donate with a portion of the 10-day event going to Humane Society of Huron Valley. For 10 days only, get it before you regret it at Lewis Jewelers. And welcome back to the Wolverine Live. John Borton here with you tonight, along with Tom Crawford, and a special treat, a special guest. We'll get to uh, that individual in just a moment, but I want to say first hello to Tom Crawford. Uh, You know him from Press Pass. You know him from his podcasting network, and you sure know him from being here every Tuesday night, like clockwork. Hello, Tom. Well, hello, JP. It's great to be here. What are we sitting here? August eighth. It's uh, it's coming. It's coming real quick. You know, three weeks from Saturday. I cannot wait for college football that first weekend, and um, it's it's gonna it's just gonna it's gonna go by fast, and it's gonna be uh, one of those things that uh, boom, it's gone, and we're in the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. There you go. And when you have J.J. McCarthy and Zach Zinter and all these guys standing in front of you at the podium. You know it's here again. You're down at Beckler Hall. You're watching these guys uh, talk about uh, their aims and their goals and all that. And you know what? It would not be football season in Ann Arbor. It would not be football season in the big house without the angel of the big house. And that's who we have with us tonight. One Angelique Changelis. There she is. Uh, Welcome, first of all, to the Wolverine Live. It's uh, it's really fun to be here with you and and Tom. I have to say, so I mean, it's a, what a great way to kick off the season. No doubt. Now, and as for seasons, I started this thing in uh, 1991 uh, with Michigan in pursuit of uh, its fourth straight Big Ten championship. You came in at just about the same time. What? Bring us up to speed on that. 
Uh, 91, I was just, I was supposed to take over as the full-time beat writer at the Detroit News, but I wanted to get my feet wet, John. So I just did the home games. And then 92 is when I started covering it uh, full-time. So yeah, no breaks. Belongs to the Press Box Hall of Fame, probably (laughs) several other Halls of Fame that we don't. I I do want to say this. She (laughs) mentioned starting, you mentioned starting in 1992, uh, Tom Crawford, what a lot of people don't know is she was a, um, a, a 10 year old wonderkind journalist at that time. So <laughs> I know different, man. Now, I know different. This is why John is my favorite. Always. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So new information for you, Tom Crawford, and for our, uh, many, many listeners out there, but I'm, I'm excited obviously to, uh, to have both of you on and talk Michigan football again, because like Tom Crawford just said, it is right around the corner. Um, Angelique, I know you were at the, um, at the press conference yesterday, and we're going to talk a lot about that, but I want to start out with the big 18. What, (laughs) what, I mean, I'm thinking, how is Rutgers going to explain someday when someone asks them, what did you finish in the big 10? Well, we were 18th, or we were 17th, or whatever it might be. I'm, and there might still be shoes to drop. I'll, I'll start out with Angelique. What What do you make of uh, this latest massive expansion to the yet Big Ten? I suppose it happened a little sooner than I thought. I mean, we were just at Big Ten media days, and the new commissioner is saying, you know, I think we're just going to concentrate on USC and UCLA. And then this happened. So a little accelerated, but I, I did, I'm not surprised to see this. And I know that there has been some hand wringing uh, the last few days about, oh, you know, Washington and Oregon, but I I didn't hear any of that when it was UCLA and USC. And um, I haven't checked the Delta flight miles or the, the, uh, the airline (laughs) miles, but it, it, I mean, I've made those trips. It's not extraordinarily different. Than, than going to Los Angeles, maybe a little bit, but in terms of that, I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, going to sit there and go, oh, the distances. But you're right. I mean, I, I never thought I'd use Rutgers as my gauge for how to respond to this, and and I hadn't until you mentioned it, John. But it is. I mean, when you look at this footprint, it's across the country now, and um, you know they'll figure it out. And and I think you, I think we look at it often through the lens of football. You've got to look at it through the lens of the other sports. And and I think that they'll probably do some version of what baseball and softball and even tennis and gymnastics to some extent, you know, they'll have they'll have multiple teams on a weekend and and have competitions that way. So you're not so you don't have to travel out to Washington one weekend and then to Rutgers and that the next. I think they'll make it so it's a little more palatable in terms of travel, but uh, it's uh, uh, you know, I, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, I, I would have been like, yeah, John, you're crazy. This is not happening. Yeah. But nowadays, I, I mean, anything, I, nothing surprises me anymore. Right. I get it. And before we give Tom Crawford a crack at uh, breaking this thing down, he's already had some emotional warm up time uh, in other venues. I know on this topic. But Angelique, I want to ask you this. I mentioned Rutgers. And 17th or 18th place. Sorry, all you Scarlet Knights fans. What really makes me wonder, just from a competitive standpoint, what if you're Michigan State? 
what if you're Minnesota trying to be on the rise? What if you are uh, some of these other teams, Wisconsin, that has not been able to hang with the Big Ten East in the uh, in the Big Ten championship game, but is always pretty good and right on the cusp. Now, all of a sudden, you've got four more teams in there and pretty quality football programs for the most part. And are you, if you're a Wisconsin fan or a Michigan State fan, thinking, is my team ever going to win the Big Ten again? Well, I, I mean, when you go back to, you know, when we first started covering this team, Michigan, I mean, it really was the big two and then the rest of them. And, you know, I, I don't know, I, I'm not going to sit there and say, oh, you got to worry about the competitive advantage for this team versus that team. I mean, there are competitive advantages and we've seen that all along. I mean, it's not like, I mean, you've all, I, at least I would always look at the Big Ten. You had your lower tier teams, you had your mid tier teams, you have your top tier teams. And I, I don't know how that changes. I do wonder, you know, they, they released the schedules for 24 and 25 um, what, in June. And now they obviously have to, to redo that. But I mean, would it be better to have go back to divisions at this point? I mean, do you keep this, what they were going to shift to? Um, and then I started thinking about that, like who would be in the West? Which of these teams, you know, does Northwestern go West? Obviously, Nebraska, Iowa, uh, does Wisconsin go back? Minnesota, I mean, could you shift Mi Michigan State to the West? So I think there's, a, there's all sorts of conversations there. But, um, it, you know, I, if you're a fan of one of those teams, I don't know that it's that different. I guess you had a, you had a fighter's chance in this current alignment. But, you know, I mean, we've seen enough of this to know that there were always tiers of teams. Sure. Yeah. But the I, I, only thing I would say about that is that the top tier of teams is now much, much better. Tom Crawford. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm, you know, I'm going back to uh, 1993 when Penn State came in. Uh, two years into Angelique's 32-year uh, <laughs> career covering <laughs> Michigan Wolverines, and uh, I think, remember, all we thought, hey, let's change it to the Big 11, okay? So then here comes Nebraska, you know, a few years later. Let's change it to the Big 12. Then we, we could have made Big 14. I mean, just keep it Big 10. You know, just definitely keep it Big 10. But I'll tell you what, um, I know it's a money grab, and I know all that stuff, and I know it logistically for the uh, Olympic sports, uh, non-rev, whatever you want to call them, it's going to be a challenge. I like Angelique's idea of, of, of kind of mini tournaments or whatever, just bundle games together but i'm telling you what i am all about this i love it because unlike in 2023 there's not going to be four cupcakes for michigan open there's always going to be a good team there's going to be as dave revson on big 10 network said man there's some big great matchups great matchups and i'm all about competition um and and look who you know and i'm looking through a michigan lens and all i care about is michigan okay i don't care about michigan state okay their pr problems of being a, you know, a bottom feeder slash middle, middle of the road. But from a Michigan standpoint, this is going to challenge this program. I think it's terrific. And I think with a 12 team playoff, you can still lose a game, maybe even two games in this league and get in the playoffs. So I'm super excited about next year. Okay. Well, I, I grew up in the era where it was Michigan was expected to win the big 10 championship, at least one out of every two years. You're yeah, talking 10 years more. No, I get that. But yeah. then it became, okay, Wisconsin gets good in the 90s. Penn State comes along. Okay, if you win the Big Ten maybe once every three years, if you're Michigan, that's that's pretty darn good. Yeah. 
Yeah. Now, I mean, Michigan right now is at its apex over the last since the '90s, honestly. Yeah. Uh, but you you start to wonder, okay, what what's reasonable? Not that fans are necessarily reasonable, but yeah. what is a reasonable hope then, Angela? Well, I mean, I, I think you just got to hope to be competitive, obviously, and, and to be in those games. And I know, Tom, I'm thinking back to last Big Ten Media Days when he was peppering uh, Harbaugh with questions about the schedule. So I know that Tom is very happy about yes, this. And, I am and thrilled. I know you are. And, and, you know, it is exciting. These are teams you wanted to see. I mean, you wanted I wanted to see a little bit more of Michigan going back to, you know, having a home and home with some of these teams like Oregon and Washington and and we have covered games there, but it's been a long time since then. And obviously, you know, Washington game got wiped out uh, by COVID in 2020. But, um, you know, I, I I think you're right, John. A couple losses isn't going to, to mean you're out of things. And with the expanded playoffs, I do wonder, you know, and I go back to, and probably not a topic you want to talk about, but Ryan Day talking about moving the Michigan-Ohio State game. Yeah. And I, my point, why not just eliminate the Big Ten championship game? Do you really need that exactly. at that stage? You know, I, I really think that's the move to make. And so you don't have to, you don't have that to deal with after the season. And and you let these teams, because I, you know, I, I think you're going to have a good number of Big Ten teams in the expanded version of it um, that will be eligible for the playoffs. So, um, I, you know, I, I guess I'm, I, I know that there are people upset about this and Tom's not because it's, yeah, I'm not, I, I'm really not. I think this is, it's, it's exciting. Kind of like NIL was exciting a few years ago and still figuring out that. But um, you know, I think that th this is the new world and, and you just got to get used to it and, and um, you can dig in your heels a little bit and, and maybe make some changes that, that will make it still feel like a traditional, like you've got your rivalries and, but it's, it's a different world. And, and I think we just have to go with it. No doubt. Uh, get, give it a chance, as Jim Harbaugh would say, <coughs> with regard to things like the transfer portal. Tom Crawford, if you did eliminate the Big Ten championship game, what would I, I would think that would put even extra scrutiny on the schedule. Who played who to get into those one and two spots? Yeah, yeah. There, there lies a challenge. I mean, how do you have – I mean, if you're a 12-team schedule – and that's it to decide a Big Ten championship, no Big Ten championship game. I mean, that how that schedule plays out every year is going to be huge. I mean, there's going it, to there's, there's be pushback from everybody. And, and then you have the element of rivalries have to be maintained and which ones you want to maintain, which ones you don't. But I go back to your comment, Angelique, about Ryan Day. I remember I, remember I was in that scrum over there, um, and he was talking about moving that game. You don't want to play a team. Uh, you know, Michigan, Ohio State playing potentially three times in a row. I mean, that 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 does seem a little weird, to be mm -hmm. honest with you. I think it would it would it would tarnish that a little bit. So I, I get that point. Harbaugh pushed back the next day. No, blah blah blah. We're gonna keep it in the last game. So I, I I like you know your idea, Angelique, about this Big Ten championship game. Much as I enjoyed going down to Indianapolis, probably for the third straight year, uh, come December, um, everything has its run and then its move on and. There's, there's too much change going on in college football with these, these power five teams basically condensing into as little as four conferences. Who knows? Maybe three. We don't know how much consolidation in, in, in you know, everything's going to merge together. And uh, I wonder about the American athletic and some of these group of five conferences out there on, on the side. It's it, there's a lot of real 
head scratching and pondering what where this is going to be, say, two to four years from now. Yeah, no question about it. Well, we're going to let that go for right now. Talk about this Michigan team directly. We got a chance to hear from some key members of it yesterday. And uh, Angelique, this it strikes me that J.J. McCarthy is one of the most, I guess, uh, self-assured, altogether mentally their quarterbacks that I can remember over the past 30 years. He's he's up there talking about, you know, throw any topic at him. What about the non-conference? We'll play anybody. We'll play in the parking lot. He's coming. I used to thanking everybody for being there on the way away from the podium. He is uh, forearm bashing with reporters, some of whom looked perplexed, like, what? I, I, I can't do this, but I, I, I guess I better because it'd be like uh, denying a handshake or something like that. Your thoughts as far as hearing J.J. McCarthy and thinking about him as that kind of a big personality leader on this team. Yeah, I mean, he is he is a remarkable personality. And a couple times I've talked to him and I, I say, please don't take this the wrong way, but you are too good to be true. I mean, he is, I, you know, just the, his foundation, the money he's given to children's hospitals is, is really commendable and admirable. And, um, you know, I think that he is focused, what he's focused on in the offseason. He gained the weight and, and Harbaugh may say it was just maturity, it was natural, but he worked on this because he wants to be more durable. And he's always reading. I admire that about him. I, I mean, and it's, you know, it's, it's stuff that, that helps him mentally and to prepare, just like his meditation. I, you know, I never thought I'd talk to a Michigan quarterback, any player about meditation. And, and I talked to him recently about it. And, and it's, you know, we, I talked to him about, you know, how do you fit everything in with all your NIL engagements and people wanting a piece of you and he just said, you know what? I set the tone in the morning. I do my meditation. That's my time. And then the rest is what I need to do. And I thought, wow, that's very mature. And I need to adapt that in my life because it's taken me, um, you know, I'm going to be 39. So it's taken me that long to to figure this out. And, and he's already got a handle on that. So I just find him impressive in, in all those off the field ways, as well as obviously on the field. No doubt. And Tom, don't wait for me on that. Jump right in. No, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah, he's a freaking – he's like a Disney character. He's in some Disney movie or something. He's like, you're too good to be true. I agree with all that. I, I, his engagement, his his ability to to deflect what he accomplishes onto his teammates and things like, you know, talking about Tyler Morris and all these other all, – all those wing guys. That I think and, – and, 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 and obviously the charitable events that he's doing and giving back to – to his sense of community, but I do, there is one more test that I have with JJ McCarthy. And this is a test that I, that I use with all athletes, student athletes in college. And obviously at, even more so at the professional ranks is how he deals with adversity. There's been only one time as a starter. If I'm, if I think I'm correct on this, that he had to deal with the press after a loss. Okay. And that was after the TCU game last year. Okay. And um, it, it, a, disappointed me a little bit. I mean, I don't like, I don't like guys getting up and leaving early from a press. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. I don't know what you, I, I'd love to get Angelique's viewpoint as well as you JB, but it was the one time that I, it was a one, one slight time. So my, 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 my measuring stick of maturity will be having him up front 
talking after a, a, a heart-wrenching loss. And I have a feeling this maturation that he's taking place physically will also be mentally and, 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 and how he communicates with the press. I mean, did, did that stick out with you, Angelique, last year post-game? Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's very fair. I totally agree with you. And I have always said that, you know, you've got to face the music one way or the other. You, you can be out there for all the wins, but you do. And I was thinking about it. I think it was the UCLA game. John Navarre uh, started, I believe. Yes. Yes. And I, was, they, I was in LA. I was at, at the 100 degree, the 100 degree game out there. I was sitting right, in right. And it was yeah. Epstein. I hate Epstein. And and yeah. those guys didn't talk after the game. And I remember talking to Lloyd Carr afterwards, and I said, "You talk so much about building character in these guys and and dealing with adversity." And I said, "Well, part of that is talking to uh, media members after a loss like that." And um, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I if that point you know, sunk in, but I did want to make that point because it is important. If you are going to shape people for what they're going to be facing in the future, and you're assuming that that a lot of these guys have professional football careers ahead of them, and that is something. They're not going to have the um, the generosity of, of a, a college situation where they can pick and choose who's coming out. You know, reporters are going in the locker room after uh, professional games, and, and you don't have a lot of choice. So I agree with you very much. Okay, two quick things on that. Uh, yes, I agree with uh, both of your sentiments. I'll say it's a uh, first-year starting quarterback. It is a, uh, it's a growth moment for him to look back on that and say, okay, yep, I can, I can probably do better in that situation. The other thing, however, is if Tom Crawford's prediction comes true, then he doesn't have to deal with it. Oh, it's not going to be an issue. This is, a, this is like Jack Epley in hypothetical situations that never happen. He's, he's going 15-0. and 0, so you're There right. you go. Yeah. Just in case, however. All right, Tom, we'll talk. We'll start with you on this one. Um, Zach Zinter comes in, and this is an impressive guy. Just ask the Ohio right. State. Oh, yeah. Line. Um, but he basically – is spreading the wealth and saying, like Jim Harbaugh says, we have got 10 guys that could start pretty much anywhere in the country on this offensive line. Your thoughts about that sort of statement and the confidence it's obvious that these guys come in with. Yeah, well, Zach Zander is another, another example of a mature, you know, he's, he's been around played a lot of football at Michigan. He's got a great family. His, his, younger, his bro- younger brother's playing at Notre Dame. The freshman this year. I mean, that's a that's a football family, and I love how he he talked about the ten. There's ten potential starters, but I, you know, this is what really baffles me um, about offensive linemen. You know, I mean, you you know, you think about defensive linemen. Hey, you got eight guys like Ohio State did it with Larry Johnson coaching D line down there. They got eight guys rotating. And Michigan is now getting to that particular level. But how do you keep ten offensive linemen that all could? potentially go to the senior bowl, even as backups. Okay. That could end up in the NFL. How are you going to keep those happy? And how do you integrate that? I mean, because an offensive line is a unit. So I'm really curious to know how that plays out and how you're going to keep these guys happy because I, it's, it's a whole different animal on the O-line versus D-line when you're talking about rotation. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, thoughts on that, Angelique? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I measure Michigan offensive lines to those ones that we covered in the early 90s, late 90s. Yeah, I yeah. mean, to me, that's that's the uh, that's the bar. And yeah. this group, you know, what, what we've seen the last couple of years, and I think this group, having not seen the, the transfers, but 
um, understanding how, how talented those guys are, I think you're going to see again, that kind of talent. And, um, and, and that's to me, it was lacking all along. I mean, you, you build in my mind, a team with a great offensive line and then, and then everything follows um, because, you know, I think a, a great offensive line can mask issues. Uh, you may have a quarterback. I'm not saying yeah. this here, but just in general. And, uh, you know, I think that the luxury of these first four games will give them time to get get a lot of these guys on the field, get their feet wet. Because, you know, you saw it last year. There were injuries. Yeah. You, needed, you needed Geo to step up. And, and look, I mean, I do think that there were guys who had a foot – in the transfer portal and then just decided, you know, this, things are really good here and I can get developed and I may not get all the reps I want, but I'm going to get developed. And I do think you see an opportunity in these, in the first third of the season to get a lot of these guys in a rotation of sorts, but um, you know, not like the defensive line, as you said, but you know, getting these guys some, some very valuable reps because you just never know. And Sinter himself said, even in, fall camp they're throwing in as many combinations as they can mm-hmm. produce and you're getting all different sorts of feel yes there will have to be a, an offensive line that uh that gels together but right now they're giving different guys a feel for each other uh certainly the most impressive of the newcomers so far if you go by what everyone's talking about would be drake nugent uh, he just seems like nonstop motor, never quit. Very tough. Uh, just the kind of, you, Angelique, you talked about the, um, the standard that we saw set in the, the 1990s, which followed other standards that came before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I guess the new standard is if you can make Doug Skeen cry or bring tears to his eyes as an offensive lineman, then that's, that is, you, you've made it. Because uh, Doug Skeen talked about watching that offensive line operate in 2021 in the breakthrough year against Ohio State and said it just it did bring tears to his eyes because these guys were doing it the way he expects Michigan offensive lines to do it from the blocking standpoint and from the intimidation toughness standpoint, if, if you're backing down an Ohio State co- cornerback after Roman Wilson gets his head gear ripped off and that's not a oh back in the day it was like this when i played i don't think that's that at all you know i I think it's it's purely you know doug and i think we recognize the toughness of an offensive line and that's what i think has really stood out yes there have been some issues occasionally but i think generally the last couple years you have seen this offensive line get i mean it's just been tough and what do they say smash Smash, and a lot of that comes from Sharon Moore. I mean, when you watch those clips of him getting these guys motivated before the game, I, I mean, I can see how that's just, you know, contagious, and they all want to play for this guy. And and, and speaking of Sharon, I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how he balances everything with all his, you know, he's, he called plays last year, not, you know, not – he called some of the plays last year, I'll put it that way. But now it's he's the sole offense coordinator, and he's also the offensive line coach. So he's got a lot on his plate, but – um, but I think the sense from Wazinder is that, you know, they've, they've got this, they've got this figured out and, um, they'll have Sharon there, but they've got a pretty good sense of, of what's going on that, you know, not that they don't need them there, but they could, they could manage. Yeah. Any thoughts there, Tom? Well, you know, I, you know, speaking of, um, 
trying to evaluate foreshadow how the season's going to that offensive line. I want to see how that offensive line plays in the red zone, that infamous mm-hmm. red zone issue. And if Michigan is having to settle for field goals against a team like UNLV that hasn't had a winning season in 10 years, then maybe they're overhyped. Maybe the hype train is damn Campbell's. <laughs> that is too much. But I want to see them blast people and, you know, where they can – on a when it's third and four and you know Michigan's going to run the football, you know, you end up with eight. You know, that's that's the ultimate litmus test for me, especially when you're inside the 20, especially when you're inside that red zone. That red zone thing is what I'm going to be looking at in these early games when there's really nothing else to look at, you know. But if you have to sell for field goals against inferior competition, then then you maybe have some issues. Yeah. But that goes back to who's calling the plays in the red zone, too. I mean, I think there's going to be a difference in that this year. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think that, um, you know, Matt Weiss was calling those plays. And, and, you know, I think you scratch your head. And when you watch the TCU game a couple of times, like, you know, I think not even after the fact, you're like, what, wait, what's going on? Why is this unfolding like this? And so I'm not going to put that on the offensive line. I, I see what you're saying, but I, I do think some of it's play calling. And uh, and now that'll be, you know, that's the balance now to see how Sharon calls this. And I think he, more than anybody, has a has the feel for what this offensive line can do and, and the production they can get in those situations. And what we'll never completely know is how much does Jim Harbaugh step in every once in a while and say, hey, I want to see this. So, yeah, yeah. He never been defined. yeah never been defined. We'll never when the offensive line is off the field. Uh, they will not only be meeting to figure out, uh, work out the kinks, but they'll take a peek out there and look at a defense that uh, they hope keeps them off the or, or gets them back on the field very quickly. This is uh, came from right from a Angelique Changelis question yesterday uh, to Zach Zinter uh, talking about what what's the defensive line got, and he. Uh, he took it and ran with uh, with Chris Jenkins, who he calls Chris Jank. And uh, I, I had a great conversation with Chris Jenkins' uh, mother this summer and got the entire backstory of his motor and his motivation. But everybody's talking about it now, and pretty soon college football fans will get to see it at a higher level because of uh, Zinter saying that Jenkins is now an elite pass rusher. Tom Crawford, your thoughts about that? And uh, we'll have Angelique follow up. Well, I remember um, in the scrum uh, in Indianapolis in, with Chris Jenkins. And I love those things because if you wait people out, you can really get some good stuff one-on-one. And he is, he is one of the most engaging players I can remember. Uh, and you two, with all your depth of, of coverage, uh, you probably agree with me. I mean, he's just – He's just such a likable guy, but he's a holy terror on the field. And the fact that he's, he told us he's, he's at 307 now, if, that, if I'm not mistaken, he was in the 280s uh, a couple of or, or last year, rather. So, he, you know, so he can play in the interior. He's got, he's got the physicality to do that. And, and what a leader he's going to be. I mean, and, and if, he, if he's not a captain, I'll be shocked. I mean, I just think he's, he's got the NFL pedigree from his dad. And uh, I, I think he's in for, I think he's, I think he's that interior, you know, that the interior uh, defensive lineman, that, you know, as far as a D tackle that really is going to have impact where it's just not edge rushers getting the quarterback pressures, but it's coming up the middle, whereas Tom Brady hates it. Everybody, every quarterback hates it up the middle. 
I think he's going to provide that. And I think it's going to be noticeable. Yeah. I mean, also noticeable when you look at those photos. I mean, it's noticeable how much bigger he is from those like, photos. Was, he's he was, he's that, that suit was just, I mean, he was stressing that suit. I mean, it, he looked <laughs> he great. Was. I mean, he's a big dude, man. He Big was, and you know, I talked to him this summer at one of the camps, and he was at that point three ten, and he once said he wanted to shave a few pounds. But I asked him his goals, and you know, most of the time the guys are like, "Oh, those are personal." He's like, "Oh no, I, I've already talked to the coaches. I want ten and a half sacks." And I'm like, "Yeah, ten and a half, and you're not getting greedy." And he's like, "No, I mean, I think it's it's perfectly reasonable goal to set." And you know, when you hear that, you realize that. And the fact that all of them have talked about developing a better pass rush. I mean, that was yeah. consistent from the spring. Right. And, you know, can he get there? I mean, time will tell, obviously. But um, they certainly seem to have the the DNA for it. And Braden McGregor, another guy who I thought, um, obviously not a tackle, but just, you know, from the time he arrived at Michigan to now, I think when you look at some of his high school clips, and he referred to that, you know, he would just be sort of standing after some of the plays because he was yeah. the biggest guy out there. But he he's learned now. You've got to finish plays, and I think that that he's that's really translated for him. In and I think his motor is different now. So um, I, I think the way Minter is going to draw this up, it's it's going to be pretty fun to watch where where the pressure comes from because I think it's 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 all across. Yeah, but I'm I'm curious to know, Angelique, can this be I think I asked Chris about that, a disruptive defensive line a la Georgia two years ago, where you can, where you watch on television. I mean, they're just disrupting what the offense is trying to accomplish. Do you see this defensive line in Michigan with Chris at D-Tackle doing that or not? Maybe. I mean, that's why they have the beat Georgia drill now. They want to emulate that and they want to achieve that. And that's what, you know, they've got the beat Ohio drill. They've got the beat Georgia drill. I don't know. I mean, that was pretty elite and that was elite yeah. across the board. There were not, there wasn't just one really, you know, the elite pass rusher. There were a couple guys on that defense who were just uh, lights out. So I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if Michigan's got that capability, but I, I think that they can be disruptive without a doubt. And I, and, you know, I think you look at the linebackers, I think are better than they were last year. You've definitely got more, you've got more there um, than you did yeah. last year. And, and um, so I think the front seven is it's, it's, it's going to be pretty impressive. No doubt. You had a whole bunch of first round draft picks on, uh, on that Georgia team on that yeah. defense. And uh, you referenced Braden McGregor. He told me this summer he uh, it's his goal to be the guy as an edge rusher this year. And the interesting thing about Michigan is they probably have about three other guys thinking yeah. I to be the guy, the next Aiden Hutchison or the next David Ojabo or the guy that, that really terrorizes quarterbacks from the outside. So I think you've got a healthy inner competition going there. We're going to take a quick break and uh, be right back with Angelique Changelis and Tom Crawford. Uh, but first, uh, a moment from one of our sponsors. Uh, of course, it's Lewis Jewelers. It's the Get It or Regret It event going on through August 3rd through 12th at Lewis Jewelers in Ann Arbor. Once a year, we receive special permission to mark down selected designer items up to 50% off. Find designer brands that have been discontinued or tossed out, anniversary and wedding bands, diamond earrings, and selected watches. Look great and donate with a portion of the 10-day event going to the Humane Society of Huron Valley. 
for 10 days only. Get it before you regret it at Lewis Jewelers. Check them out and uh, check out certainly all of what's being said about Michigan. It's, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, a team that uh, is as highly ranked as any team in the preseason as uh, we have seen for any Michigan team. And uh, I, I'm just thinking about Angelique in particular. The last time that you have seen a Michigan team this highly thought of in the preseason, this considered this loaded. I mean, we, we saw the teams in the 90s. We talked about, Tom and I talked about this a little bit last week, but uh, you've seen a lot of Michigan teams come and go. Can you remember one that was, I guess, under this much anticipation after beating Ohio State the last two years, uh, making the playoff, uh, all of that? Gosh, that's been really hard to think about. I mean, I, I think about teams like I, I thought the 2016 team was pretty good. Um, but coming into – and they had not beaten Ohio State the year before, but Lloyd Carr's last team. I mean, you had Chad Henney coming back. You had Jake Long. You had Mike Hart. You had some pretty good pieces on defense. And I thought that was a pretty – I think a lot of things were expected of that team. And obviously, we know how the, uh, the start of the season went. And, but I think that's a cautionary tale, too. I mean, I, I think and you've got a guy like Mike Hart who's on the staff, and, and maybe you remind this team, look, people are talking you up. They think you're great, and you deserve some of this. But don't forget, you know, you've got to get ready each and every week. And I know all the players say that. They've been saying it. They keep saying it, that it's about the next game, staying in the meet. What do they say? Uh, feet on the ground, feet in the moment, all that stuff. But – I think those players were saying that back then too and, and stumbled in a big way, in a nationally relevant way. Um, so, I, you know, it's hard to think, but I, I think that was a team that, that kind of just reminded me just in terms of the talent that decided to come back. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I would think, I, I've been thinking a lot about this since Tom and I talked about it, and I'm kind of settling on 1992. Mm. You'd won yeah. four Big Ten championships in a row. You had uh, a, a very, very loaded team. You had such talent at running back and, and wide receiver, and you had great defenders coming back. Now, they, they did. I mean, that was uh, in the era of overtime and things like that. You know, the, the Aiden Hutchinsons just scratched their head and, and asked their dad, what was this tie thing all about, Dad? I mean, what, what was going on there? Because, you know, you had the three ties. And I, I just think that, um, by contrast, 1997, you had a team that was hearing all about four lost seasons, four lost seasons. They weren't talked about in terms of, oh, they're going to run the table. No. Uh, will this be another four lost season? And they were as angry before that campaign as the 2021 team was. Uh, when Aiden Hutchinson in the summertime was saying, I know what people are saying. I don't care. You watch. You wait and see. So I'm I'm going to 1992, Tom Crawford. <laughs> has, has your thoughts on this changed any? 
Well, I promise you I'm not going back to the 76 team because I've talked about that way too much as far as underachieving. Okay. But I got to talk about, you know, in 1981 or five years later, I mean, when Michigan won or when, when Michigan and Bo Schemecker would win a Rose Bowl, the following year, expectations high. 81, they were number one in a lot of polls. You know, they are magazine polls and things like that. And they go to Madison and they lose in the opener with Steve Smith, the quarterback. 86, they were really high. You know, Jim Harbaugh's senior year, they won the Fiesta Bowl, right? And and everybody thought some great things. And they, you know, they didn't stumble till they lost to uh, in, in '86. I'm, I'm trying to think of what game, what what uh, what game they lost in '86. But that was the last team I thought they were really high. '89 after they won oh. the '88. Yeah, what was it? They lost in '86. What was their first loss in '86? Minnesota. What was that? It was Minnesota, which set up the Harbaugh guarantee. Oh yeah, well, that, so that didn't happen until later on. So they dodged the bullet. But in '89, after they won the Rose Bowl in '88. Um, they were, you know, they were really highly acclaimed, and then they and, and they lost to Notre Dame, which they seem to do early on in the year. But they don't have to worry about that year. There's been some teams, but this one is all by itself, all by itself in this modern era where everybody knows how de- everybody knows everybody's two deeps. And I've never in my I've been passionate about Michigan football since eight years old, and Michigan Stadium and during the '64 Rose Bowl season and i have never seen ever in those almost you know what 60 years almost this kind of buzz and expectation and how they handle that is really going to be a test of the coaching staff and and the and the players and and i think they're going to pass the flying colors but it's it's still hanging out there that they got a lot of pressure on them. okay that might play into the next topic, which is, are there any concerns at this point? And uh, Angelique talked about uh, a team or two that uh, maybe got a little ahead of itself in the expectations versus ability to deliver uh, category. And I, I just think that um, they really have to have that attitude that uh, we don't care what anybody is saying. We know what we've got, we're going to go out and we don't care uh, about the, the level of competition. We want to pound people into the pavement early, regardless of who it is. When I think of potential concerns at this point, <clears throat> I think it has to be delivering in all the big moments. They certainly did it against Ohio State. <coughs> Excuse me. They didn't quite as much. Uh, obviously, against TCU. They made some big, big mistakes in that game. Can you eliminate those? Angelique, what would be your biggest concern at this point? Well, I mean, mine are more uh, on the field. Uh, You know, I think those are all very valid. But I I look at the receiver group, and I'm still not, like, wowed. And that's why I think you're going to see a little bit more Donovan Edwards and, and he wants that. He wants to be the receive, the running back who sets the, uh, the record at Michigan for receiving yards. And I looked at it. He's about 370 yards away. It was something like that. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's great that Cornelius Johnson came back. I, I'm not I'm not diminishing the talent there, but I they just don't have a wow guy. Right. And, I mean, Roman Wilson could be. I, you know, I, I want to see Darius Clemens, you know, finally, you know, you know not finally, he was a freshman, but – to get out there and, uh, you know, be a, a factor. And uh, I'm not worried about the other cornerback spot. They'll get that figured out. They do have Mike Samer still who's versatile and, and could do that. But 
also the kicking game. I, I mean, the, people have underestimated how much, and I don't think they've underestimated the value of Jake Moody. Everybody knows, but boy, he really was money. And, and Brad Robbins was outstanding. And I think that they've got really good pieces. They picked up from the portal, obviously. Um, but I think those are the two issues. Those are the areas that I think are still a little concerning in my mind. All right, Tom, your thoughts on okay, yeah, uh, everything what uh, everything what she said. Well, I mean, was she just hit it out of the park? Okay, um, including that one corner slot. But there's, I, I'm I'm thinking about this in in general terms about the team. Okay, it's um, the fool's gold aspect of it. How good is this team? Um, the first half of the season, and when do they have their when do they have their moment that you know what that Michigan team's pretty good? When can you legitimately say that? Um, without wearing maize and blue colored goggles, okay? So I'm trying to think of the schedule. I'm trying to evaluate when's that going to be. Is it going to be at Nebraska? I said it could be at Nebraska. If they go out and just crush Nebraska and don't give them any flirtation that they're going to be in this game, same thing with Minnesota. But even more compelling than that, and obviously the Captain Obvious here, the, we're going to find out what they are on November 11th when they go to State College. I get all that. But it's that Michigan State game on October 21st at night. A place which has been a challenging place. Can Michigan, with that crowd, with all that hostility that we that we hear about, and and Michigan fans supposedly should be scared to to go to the stadium because it's going to be it's going to be there's going to be so much anger in the air. Um, can Michigan go out and just you know put the bonnet on it right the first quarter and and just just suck the life out of Michigan State? We're at halftime. This game is over. If that happens, that's going to get my attention. And I, you know, will that happen? I don't know. But I'm telling you what, that is a that's that's that litmus test for me. Can Michigan go out and pound their rival when there's so much hatred? When that that game brings so much out of Michigan State, and the environment's going to be hostile, can they go out and deliver? If they do that, wow! Then I think they're a legitimate national champion. All right, Tom Crawford says if Michigan can shut them up and send them home early and I have time. Look yes. at All right, we're late in the fourth quarter here and that means it's time for Tom's take where he brings something that I don't know what's coming and uh, we'll have Tom lay it out there and and have Angelique uh, react to it in closing this thing out. Okay. This is not this is not my this is not Tom's take. This is uh, Tom's question. Ah. And, and um, I didn't realize Angelique was going to be on the, on the on, on mission and Wolverine live until a little bit ago. So I'm just going to embrace. I'm going to I think on my feet quite a bit. So I'm going to ask Angelique this question. OK, those 32 years of covering and you do a superb job. You're a Hall of Famer in the press box, blah, blah, blah. Everybody loves Leaky. Everybody loves the Angel of the Big House. And I want you to ask, answer this question. I mean, you're a professional. But when you're watching Michigan, I mean, how do you not want deep down Michigan to win a big game. I mean, I know your your husband graduated from Ohio State, for example. Okay. You got to deal with that wrath. I mean, do you do you have any twinge inside of you that, yeah, I want Michigan to win this game? And how do you how do you uh, you know you know insulate that out? Or are, are you just this this you know war war horse that can just, you know, you you're just this impartial journalist and you don't have any emotional ties with the University of Michigan. I know this is going to sound terrible, but I really don't care. I mean, I really don't. I mean, when I watch a game, I, I really, uh, if I root for anything, it's for competition, for it to be competitive, for it to be 
uh, reasonable for my deadline, you know. And your like, lead. You don't want your lead. You don't have to rewrite your lead like like Charbonneau had to rewrite rewrite his lead. He didn't care because he's party. Uh, in 2015, right? You know, hey, I had to rewrite my lead in 2017. So, <laughs> okay. but I, I don't, I mean, and, and I've said this to people and I really, it does covering being a sports writer really does take the fan out of you. And I, you go, I go to baseball games now and sometimes I just sit there and I, you know, you don't, you don't cheer, you don't go rah. And the only thing I can still feel that way is tennis. When I watch when I, I mean, I have tennis channel on all the time and I get very involved emotionally yeah. in, in watching tennis, but no, I mean, you know, and I joke on, on social media about Cincinnati, my alma mater. And I, it's not like I watch those games and, but I, you know, I like to see them win, but I, I ultimately don't really care, but I know that the people who are reading care and, and that's important. And, and that's why you try to give them the information they need without coloring it for them and, and editorializing because that's not my job. I'm not a columnist, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely more, more, um, I don't know if it's more fun. It's easier to cover a team that's winning. Um, but I mean, I, I covered Tennessee women's basketball back in the day in Knoxville and Pat Summit was winning and they would, they would be just blowing out teams and that wasn't fun either. So I just like to see great competition. I really do. And we that time. An even-handed professional that uh, is beloved by all. We certainly love her on the board. I appreciate you being with us tonight, Angelique. And uh, Tom, as always, thanks, guys, for uh, jumping in. It's been a lively session. I appreciate you both. All right. Thanks, John. Thanks, thanks, thanks Tom. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.